Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome to Cannabis Talk 101 featuring Blue and Joe Grande. The world's number one source for everything cannabis. Welcome to Cannabis Talk 101, the world's number one source for everything cannabis with Blue and Joe Grande. And thank you for listening to our podcast all around the world. Make sure you check out our website, CannabisTalk101.com, as we have so many great articles and blogs on there for you guys to check out. And give us a call anytime, 1-800-420-1980. And go check out the Instagram pages at Cannabis Talk 101. My brother Blue is at the number one, Christopher Wrights, and I am at Joe Grande 52 And I got to remind you guys out there about the Bear Flag Group. They're your white label partner. They're known to be on-time, accurate, and do quality co-packaging. They have been launching brands in California since 2015. And at the Bear Flag Group, they do what they say they're going to do. Make sure you check them out online at bearflaggroup.com. Now, we've got a very special show today, you guys. We've got a couple from Texas that's on the line with me. Piper, who is the Corporate Development Manager for Americans for Safe Access with a Master's in Medical Cannabis, now, she became an advocate for medical cannabis after seeing remarkable results for one of her sons. And then we have her husband, Brian Linden, who also has been a cannabis caregiver and advocate since 2013. He frequently attends cannabis events as a volunteer for Americans for safe access as well and does his thing with them. Then we have Miss Mary Catherine Shamjazi. Did I get that right again, Mary? I always feel funny about you. <laughs> You're your so name. close, Joe. <laughs> Say it, please. Samyashi. Shamjizi. Okay. Samyashi. There we go. She said it right. I don't. Uh, Elevations Nations is what she's representing. It's a great place to go out there if you're looking for a great hotel to smoke at an organization. They have the best hotels in Arizona for fun. They're opening up in Vegas all over the place. Of course, I'm getting calls and I don't have my volume down because I'm on it right now. But we have her jumping on. Sorry about that, everybody. And uh, she's, like I said, the VP of business development for them. And she comes from a medical side, a huge background from the medical side of cannabis for decades. And that's why we have her on the show today. I'm going to explain how and why, and she's going to explain what she's done. What we're doing here is I got an email, folks, from Piper, who I met in Vegas, and I had a great conversation with Piper in Vegas, which was awesome. And I want to welcome you guys all to the show. First off, here's a big round of applause for you guys. Thank you so much as we're doing the great Zoom interview. 
But Piper and I met in Vegas and had an amazing conversation. She sent me an email, thanked me for a great conversation. And I thanked her back. And we've just been having dialogue ever since. And we've seen each other at many cannabis events. And then she recently hit me with an email regarding her 16-year-old son who is smoking cannabis and dabbing now and doing a lot of things that she feels might not be appropriate and was wondering if we can cover the topic on the show. And Mary, I called you right away because I remember as we interviewed you and then having conversations with you with your clinical background in cannabis going, isn't this something that's right up your alley? And then before you know it, we all kind of knew each other from the grapevine and everything else. So tell us real quick, Mary, about your clinical background and what you do and how this is kind of right up your alley. Sure. Well, thanks so much, first of all, for having me on again. You guys are just fantastic. And Piper, it's been wonderful to connect with you on this platform. I know we've crossed paths in our, our lives before. But um, so I started out in medical cannabis. I was in elementary school vice principal, and I was working with kids and looking at what we could uh, address in the classroom to offset the impacts of pharmaceuticals. And when I was pursuing a, a PhD in that, we found that studies had really been occurring on cannabis. And as a consumer myself, I really wanted to start to put the, the dots together. And, um, you know, this, this was 18 years ago. So it was a long time ago that, you know, I was really starting to get into this kind of stuff. And, um, and so in Washington State, in the medical program, one thing that was, was not being addressed was pediatrics and children's use in cannabis, both for medical and what's happening now in recreational. So as uh, one of the original co-founders of Ames Institute in Seattle, we started working with patients, uh, started out with oncology, pediatric neurology, and then we started getting patients coming in that were just looking for day-to-day -day insight on how to you know, apply cannabis as a therapeutic agent, but also just how to deal with the use of cannabis in their life or their loved ones' lives. So um, in doing all of that, being down in Arizona, um, I saw Cannabis Friendly Hotel and thought, you know what, this is where I want to start talking to people on an open platform before they get to the clinic right before it's that point. Let's talk about cannabis use in general. Let's talk about it in infused dinners. Let's talk about it, you know, in a, in a fun setting so that it's easily, the information is easily absorbed. Because when you're in a clinical setting, you're at that point, right, where you really need help and, and, and you're not necessarily thinking pragmatically about a lot of different things. So this is why I love getting to do this kind of stuff with you guys, because we get to marry it all together. And with what's happening in parallel industries, it's important. It is. And, you know, you having this medical background and dealing with children and this and that. And even though uh, Brian and Piper's son is 16 and I got that email, I was like, maybe this is something that you could listen to and incorporate your professional experiences and uh, the data that you have to back all this. And that all being said, Brian and Piper, before we get into your son that's 16, I believe you guys have it's funny because you guys are advocates for cannabis, right? Like you, you guys are strong believers in it. You first seen it, if I'm not mistaken, with your older son. And I'd like for you guys to share that story of how much you guys believe in the plant and, and how you guys found it working so well with, with your boys. Well, we have experiences, I guess, with cannabis longer than for our son. But I don't know, for me, that's when uh, my true love for cannabis developed when I saw what it could what it could do for my son with his severe epilepsy. He has Lennox Gastaut syndrome. And so um, it was remarkable what we saw for him, uh, but also so complicated and understood uh, that he needed specific uh, strains. 
And so I went and pursued uh, the master's degree to see um, see if I could understand more about cannabis um, at University of Maryland School of Pharmacy, uh, the MCST program. And um, so I've got a little bit of clinical background too with cannabis, uh, but Part of that was uh, understanding that there's risks also, uh, you know, with cannabis use disorder, with um, cannabis hyperemesis syndrome, uh, with psychosis, and, uh, you know, with all of those things, uh, it's dose dependent, really. So when our older son started using uh, cannabis as uh, dabs or as live resin, you know, it was a concern for me. We have... Uh, we have risk factors in our family, and um, he's also been expressing uh, that he feels um, he feels paranoid. And you know, I I know, fr frankly, I know tons of people who have quit smoking cannabis because of feelings of paranoia that they they're not happy with. And so, I mean, all of us kind of know this, and. Um, somehow as advocates, you know, we're so busy trying to remove the stigma with cannabis uh, that that when I feel like we're not addressing sufficiently that that there are risks and, you know, they, they're not as huge as the risks that we've been told for the past century, but uh, ignoring them isn't going to make them go away. Uh, we need to have some way to address them. And I just wanted to have start the conversations well or have the conversations i'm sure there's people somewhere having these conversations already but i appreciate you joe and and mary uh for uh taking part in these conversations and being eager to talk about this because um it is something we need we need uh some sort of trusted uh i mean it's advocacy still advocacy to the public about uh the risks that that there may be for some people so and not only risk, but, uh, you know, it's taboo in a lot of people's homes. And a lot of people think, you know, oh, my God, I don't want to have my kid do it. But then when you're looking for medicine to help treat, you know, whatever it is that your child is going through, boy or girl, uh, you're going to do anything you can as a parent right. to, to help them. And I'm sure you and Brian we're doing whatever you can. And once you realize that cannabis was the, you know, an option and I'm curious, Brian, for you, you know, as I read that you're a helper with this and, you know, started joining in 2013, was it easy for you to jump on board with it? Was it hard for you as the dad and your boys are now doing cannabis? Where did you stand with this? No, it wasn't easy for me at all. I, um, well, and, and, our youngest son, Zach, is the first, um, is the first adolescent in the home. Right. The first. <laughs> and, and also keeping in mind, we are in, in Texas. It's a little right. bit, not a little, it's a lot different. Okay. Uh, you know, going out to Phoenix and, and looking for a hotel that's, you know, friendly, I noticed how different it is. And I, I feel like some people from out in the West Coast should come stay about a week or two just experience the differences you know it it's really incredible to me the way it's viewed and the way things are looked at but back to my youngest son this was what seven Not, about nine years nine ago. years ago so at the time he was entering kindergarten i suppose he was uh, between kindergarten and first grade. and you, nine years ago in texas it certainly was not like it is today and uh i don't know how much we basically I was ready to part ways 
with Piper when it came down to her thinking we could give this tincture we found on the internet and we could make it out of this weed I bought from somebody. Because I've, I've been a closet smoker since, I don't know, 12, 14. Okay. okay. But I'm not, I was not okay giving this, medicating our son with it. There's CPS. There's lots of things that alarmed me. And one of the things to think about is if CPS was to show up, we have a son that's, they were suggesting brain surgery, removing the scalp, checking the EEG to see. I'm not sure if it's called a lobotomy, if it's anywhere, but to remove a part of the brain. And it's a 50-50 chance that it's actually going to, to work. It's another 50-50 chance being in his frontal uh, lobe is, that is executive function and these things he may, may lose his ability to speak if if they do this that was also part of it and then they thought for sure with all the medication he was taking that was over that was prescribed that he would end up with liver failure or kidney failure at some point because he's just taking it for so so long but not only that he's he was still having you know two to six you know major grand mal seizures daily and and then if he's taking a lot of the prescribed medication, he's sort of, I think the word I was using is catatonic, but he's, you know, sort of like a zombie, just there, you know, because of the medication and the seizures, you know. So when they suggested that and they told me the odds is when I, you know, said, you know, I'm okay with this if you want to try that. It finally dawned on me that here I'm literally considering cutting a scalp off, removing it. And I'm not even willing to consider something else, you know, some something else that I know and have done for many years is not going to kill you. You know, it's not it's not as bad as cutting your scalp off, you know, but it, it would be an easy way to to check and see if it works. And it did. It worked and it worked incredible, like to the point where I started wondering if maybe, maybe I miss maybe some it was just coincidence to the point. Like, could this have really worked like that? You know, it was incredible. And the, and the main thing to me was, why on earth is there no neurologist, an epileptologist? There's only so many, there's like nine or something in the country, or there were many years ago. But why on earth are they not even interested in trying this? I mean, is it, do they all feel like it's just so, seems so far-fetched that it's a waste of time? Or... I don't really understand why. I mean, I get it. There's a schedule, but you know, there was a schedule before she tried it too. Right. So, you know, Brian, I, I think I can shed a little bit of light on that. And first of all, I mean, your story is amazing and it's, it's unfortunate because it's pretty common. And, 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 and that's, that's why we're all here today. Right. Is that we have so many children and um, people in general, but children specifically that are in this position we have parents in your position that are asking the same question, why, right? Why do you have to go through, you know, potential, uh, you know, marital disruption? Why do you have to deal with family members that are so anti because of the stigma when we know, and, and you were talking about nine years ago, it still exists. So right. I grew up in Georgia, right? So I know exactly the the stigma and everything that you guys are, are feeling. And as a mom of four myself, um, you know, this is exactly why we're having this conversation. You get that information coming into our clinic and at, at some point you're faced with the decision of, do I consider CPS? Do I consider, you know, this, this 
terribly invasive surgery that only has a small percentage chance of working. And, you know, what can we do with our children here? And um, I'm so glad you guys had, you know, the ability to talk with each other. And Piper has a background that she has because it shouldn't have had to gotten to that point. Right. And, um, and, and it's the conversation that we have time and time and time again. And then when you do find something that works, you know, how, how do we get it to the kids? What type of product can we recommend? Right. There's zero regulation in the recreational market on the medical perspective of it. And so, you know, just, just trying to talk with the industry professionals to say, listen, you're actually creating medicine. Right. And and like you said, you get stuff online, you can now get stuff in the stores. But at what point are we going to really place merit on this conversation that we're having and all these other parents are having? And not only that, it's, you know, the vulnerability of thinking the risk factor of everything you just described, Ryan. Right. Like there's a real fear. And we've heard okay. of stories of people getting in trouble for doing what you did and they might come after you guys, for God's sakes. Right. I mean, you're in Texas where it's still not fully legal like that. What did you do? And I appreciate your guys' vulnerability on talking so openly about this. We're going to take a break real quick. We're going to come back. We're going to continue talking about their son and what they're doing, what they did. They started off as a youngster. He's now 16, right? Am I mistaken? 16? Uh, no, the, our younger one is 14. 14. 14. Oh, wow. Okay. Our younger one has the epilepsy. Oh, the younger one has the epilepsy. Okay, we're going to get all into that. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. It's Cannabis Talk 101. Subscribe to our weekly newsletter on our website, CannabisTalk101.com. Welcome back to Cannabis Talk 101. Have you guys seen the latest edition of the Cannabis Talk magazine, you guys? If not, you got to go get yourself a copy today. Check it out at your local dispensary or smoke shop near you. If they don't have one, have them hit us up, 1-800-420-1980, and order some copies. Or just go check it out online at CannabisTalkMagazine.com and subscribe now. Different type of show today, folks, an open dialogue conversation with Piper and Brian talking about their situation, Mary with the clinical background, and she's also in hospitality, of course, with Elevation Nations, and continuing to talk about your guys' son and what you guys had to do with this. Did your son ever have to have that surgery? Uh, he actually wasn't a candidate for the surgery. So he has multifocal epilepsy where uh, the seizures start in multiple areas. And then he also has generalized epilepsy where it's indistinguishable of the different areas. And so too many types of seizures and those generalized can't be uh, taken care of with, uh, I think it's called an epileptectomy. Uh, <laughs> actually the name of the seizure. So they just remove the part of the brain where the seizures come from. So when there's a lot of areas, then no, they, they don't, they don't do that surgery. Um, so they made so, that decision easy yeah, for us. Yeah. Made it a lot he wasn't a candidate. So made it a lot easier uh the stressful thought but uh but yeah i mean there's a lot of concerns um especially uh in texas but i think still anywhere with being able to get uh reliable consistent medication and one of the things uh that with americans for safe access and also i want to say real quick that um a lot of times uh people who volunteer for americans for safe access talk about their own opinions and that's what i'm doing here i don't represent americans for safe access with what we're talking about um but um the uh you know the federal status just has to change in order for us to be able to effectively uh treat patients how they need to be 
treated. Even patients in California uh, don't really have access to uh, consistently what they need. The you know professionals who who know how to guide them through choosing the right. Uh, cannabis strain or chemovar for, uh, for what they're dealing with. We just haven't had the research where, you know, like what we know about cannabis is really just the tip of the tip of the iceberg here. So, yeah, that's what's so crazy about it, Piper, because as you say that, even if you think a place like California, but people listen to this show all around the world and everybody has children that are, you know, some all around the world that are going through something that could use and benefit from using cannabis as medicine. And you have people like yourself, Piper, that go out and educate yourself. People like Mary that open up a clinic out there where she's at. But that advice isn't freely open for everybody. And we don't have this exact regimen yet of like, oh, this is that, it's not this surgery. Oh, if you're gonna have that surgery, then try these strains. We have a lot of anecdotal evidence that is supporting what has gone on. And so for your sons, like what has been working and what has been the regimen that you guys have followed? So I started out making a THCA tincture according to the Epsilon Essentials recipe that I found in Toke Signals magazine online, uh, but, um, and found like the first strain that we used for him, I was pretty naive because the article said any strain will work and it worked. It was worked miraculously. Um, and then the next strain, not so much. <laughs> So we had to go through like a year and a half of uh, trial and error, figuring out, and it was like a needle in a haystack, you know, and this is one of the things I feel like is really heartbreaking to watch other parents go through because, you know, as, as a family struggling with a child who has something that's really severe that you're dealing with on a daily basis, you do grasp at straws and people are all the time telling you, you should try this and you should try this. And I see a lot of parents who try, a, you know, a cannabis product once and, you know, it all gets lumped in together where it's not all one thing. And so I have that knowledge. We were so lucky to have the first thing that worked work <laughs> or the first thing we tried work. Um, and I see other people try the first thing it doesn't work. And they're like, okay, that was just a you know, pipe dream, snake oil. And, you know, and this is one of my fears as an advocate. Um, well, I've got a lot of fears as an advocate. We're not there yet with, with being able to use cannabis as medicine. And so this is one of the things I spoke with my older son about, um, you know, with people using cannabis in a way that can have these negative effects. And, you know, I have a friend who works in an ER and she's, she, I mean, she's, she's a fan of cannabis and she's supportive of us medicating our younger son with cannabis, but she tells me all the time. And she asks me all these questions about like, why are all these people coming in like this? What's going on right now? And, um, you know, it just seems as an industry, we've become obsessed with uh, maxing out on THC and cannabis isn't all about THC. And I think as, you know, professionals, industry people, we need to be having these conversations and saying, you know, there is a risk that we'll never get to the point of using cannabis as medicine. If we keep pushing the envelope with THC and pushing THC, THC, and people, you know, teens are dabbing and seeing, 
uh, psychiatric effects, you know, whether they're temporary or not, or greening out and going to the ER, uh, you know, with vom cyclical vomiting related to their cannabis or, you know, all of these other acute intoxication with cannabis, all of these effects, you know, if, if we have legislators, I'm, you know, in my advocacy, the most irritating thing that I've heard is slippery slope. And I've heard a lot of other advocates say yeah. slippery slope, slippery slope, slippery slope. These legislators don't want to allow medical cannabis because it's going to lead to all of these effects that the, the stigma is about. And here we are, we're not even there yet. And <laughs> the slippery slope maybe has come to fruition. And part of it is probably that these legislators are passing laws in a way that doesn't uh, allow for regulation for, I, I mean, I blame in Texas legislators uh, for my son having access to Delta eight that who knows what's in Delta eight that he's getting at, uh, you know, a convenience store, a gas station, you know, uh, if we have a legal, federally legal regulated market, we're not with good education, good advocacy through our, our federally funded or private funding from, from companies. If we have money that goes to research from private companies, uh, because, you know, there's with 280E and lack of interstate commerce, there's all of these issues with companies not having the funding that they need in order to be able to research the potential therapeutic benefits, potential and harms, all of it. You know, it all comes down to federal schedule status that we need to change. As you say slippery- And Piper, can I add in on that too? <clears throat> oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Mary, go ahead, Mary, please add. Oh, I was just gonna say, you know, also to, to touch on a couple of points that you just said, um, industry responsibility right? The, we have the regulatory bodies doing and not doing what we need them to do and not to do. And you covered that beautifully. But, you know, as an industry, we have, I feel, a duty and obligation to be transparent about the products. You, you know, you spoke about the finding the, the one product that really worked for your son and other people don't have those. Um, you know, as history has presented itself, you have patients who are using products that they're finding online or in the record recreational stores and then the you know the, the cultivar changes that they're using but they're keeping right. the same label and they're measuring only by THC all of that has a direct impact at how we respond to cannabis and so for the same people who are standing up there you know saying oh you need these terpenes which I 100% agree with as you're making these products understand that when you switch that and don't tell the consumer that has a direct impact on their response to it as well and I will I will argue to say that 90% of people in the cannabis industry use the fact that it's a medical you know, product to, to bolster their uh, credibility, whether it's with family or friends or workplace, then actually honor that and act on it, right? And right. That, that's my biggest thing is, you know, I love our bud tenders and we're always about educating bud tenders, um, but just let them know that research has, is emerging. We know more. Yeah, it's fine to be high, but not everybody wants to be high, right? It's, right. it's we want to be functional. If you're using cannabis, whether it's to treat epilepsy or anxiety, you should be able to use it and still remain functional. Mm -hmm. That's a complete possibility. And, um, and then, you know, if you want to just relax a little bit, that's fine too. But for our teenagers, no, 
you know, is it, is it less harmful than alcohol? hundred percent, but we need to just be responsible and not, not ruin the path that we've all taken. And that's where it goes back to this hospitality, right? If people are leaving um, cannabis infused dinners with 25 milligram appetizers being served, and that's the first course, Mm. you know, that's what society and and the news and Forbes is going to highlight on. And it's going to really put, uh, you know, three steps back for us who have really been working in the medical sector. Which could be a heavy dose for anybody starting off with an appetizer like that and then going and then they don't remember leaving the place, you know, uh, but Piper, you said (laughs) slippery slope and you said that this is happening for your is that has the slippery slope hit for your situation now? Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So, buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So, how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud, Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less, like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic, oracle.com slash strategic. I, I mean, I feel to a certain degree, I feel in our within our family, I don't see it as a slippery slope. I see it as something that's kind of natural. I've, uh, I'm a huge fan of cannabis and uh, why, why wouldn't he? Except for I initially thought, well, maybe because I'm such a huge fan, there might be this teen angst that makes him think that cannabis is stupid you know he seemed like he was (laughs) anti-cannabis until about a year ago yeah yeah so i mean there was that possibility but you know realistically uh if he knows that and we had these conversations about it's safer than it's safer than alcohol um but um and I've been a proponent of it's safer than most things. And I still feel it's safer than, you know, potatoes, water, <laughs> you know, a whole bunch of things. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, 
just because it's safer than other things doesn't mean it's completely safe and we can ignore the potential harms, the potential risks. And and as you do that with your own son and you see that now these kids, especially in areas where it's not legal, right? Like I feel like really bad for you guys, especially in Texas, because you don't know what you're getting at the local dispensaries because the dispensaries are only for medical out there, but you know, you have to get it. And I don't know if you can get a card at, at a younger age in Texas, I think in California, it is 16, but like even being able to treat these children or Mary, do you know that exact, what is it legally in different States? I'm sure it's different ages, but how can they be legally treating their children this way when especially in their area where it's not legal? Yeah. So, you know, legalization versus application is two different things. Right. So in most states, you can get a legal card. You know, uh, normal uh, has a a very up to date list on on what the qualifications are. Sometimes it's just epilepsy. Sometimes it's just CBD with a minor amount of THC. But the trick is getting the doctors to support you. So, Brian, you had asked initially, you know, why aren't the doctors talking about this? I will tell you, thankfully, in the last, you know, five, six years, they are and they're interested. They are inviting people like myself, Piper, I'm sure you've uh, been in, um, lectured at some medical conferences having nothing to do with cannabis because they're interested. But one thing is that, you know, they're, they're still so, um, so naive to even the benefits. And I think one of the other problems is that you have people talking about research that's being done. There's different types of research. You have in vivo, in vitro, that is in a Petri dish and they're studying one or two cannabinoids and they're studying one condition. Well, unfortunately, a lot of advocates will take that piece of research and then, you know, with love the internet and social media, but spread it out there and all of a sudden everyone thinks cannabis cures COVID. Right. And, and that's the problem. And then you're getting, you know, false or, or inadequate formulas being made, people trying to buy things. And so doctors, understandably, are, are still apprehensive. It's hard for them to keep up on even pharmaceutical impacts on the human system. Now we're adding this new compound plant that has hundreds of compounds in it. And it's really difficult for them to stake their name and license on treating a child or you know anybody for that matter on the efficacy. But I will tell you, you know, continuously talking about it and with what Brian and Piper are doing is phenomenal. You know, we have a children's hospital out here that you can choose to give your child cannabis over opioids with the doctor's permission. And most of the doctors are on board, but they will have a third party like us come in and help guide and give up-to-date research on dosing and how to do that. And so, you know, the it's in, in our progressive states, it's definitely uh, more accepted, but you're still not going to get a lot. A lot of doctors are not ready to stake their, their name and their license on providing protocols. So they might say, yes, go ahead and do it and let us know how it works. But even that return information isn't always adequate again because in our system there's no regulation that companies have to discuss a change in formulation right whether it's it's medical or recreational so if we can capture accurate you know compounds of these formulas and if they change that's why we created i know you know joe and piper about the polite line was it wasn't for financial gain it was to make sure if people in washington were using this product they could come back to us and if there was a variable in their uh, response we knew what was or what not happening you know with the formulas so i think um i think it's just naivety on the doctors um still fear just like parents you know have the fear of, of coming out publicly and um misinformation 
And as we tap this open dialogue, we're going to take a break real quick, and we're going to talk about parents coming out openly as Brian and Piper are parents in Texas that are out there openly doing it. I want to see what they got from their co-parents that are out there at the kids' school and how you guys deal with that and everybody else that has that whole, oh, my God, they're the parents that let the kids use cannabis. It's Cannabis Talk 101. We'll be right back after this break. Make sure you like, follow, and subscribe to Cannabis Talk 101 now. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Now, back to the number one cannabis show on the planet. You know what? F*** it. Now, back to the number one cannabis show in the universe. Cannabis Talk 101. You guys know what time it is, baby. Dime time. Think higher with Dime Industries. Find them in California, Arizona, Oklahoma, and check them out online at dimeindustries.com or on IG, dime.industries. I want to thank Jorge, Marcus, Mondo, Teddy the Dog, Isaiah, Cassie, Daniel, Diego, Jessica, Cam, Salar, Ali, Goldie, Brother Pitt, Mark Carnes, Chris Franquino, Jennifer, Erica, and Elvis for everything you guys do to making this show uh, sound and look so good as we're joined on a special show today on Zoom with Brian and Piper and Mary coming with her medical background. I love it so much and all this knowledge you guys are bringing. And thank you to Elevation Nations that is uh, supplying people for a safe place to go and consume. So they got the hospitality angle that they got. But Brian, we went to break and I'm wondering, are you guys the cool parents there in Texas? Are you the taboo parents in Texas? How is that looked at as the household that allows cannabis? And you guys are on this advocacy board and, you know, you guys are out there. Mary, you're going to places. You're wearing a cannabis shirt right now that I'm sure you were out and about on the, on the streets, too. You just didn't wear this for the Zoom. Right. You know, I, I was really scared about that. Honestly, I was really concerned. I'm still a little little shy about it, I guess, or squeamish. You know, I, I work in the construction industry in Texas and there's a lot of uh, a lot of drinking drinking for their pro Jack Daniels and and you know beer. I mean that's that's their thing. They're anti marijuana. At least I am starting to find out that I was a little mistaken about that. Anyone that I've done work business with and consider a friendly acquaintance for years, when I do bring it up to them, when I bring Piper with me for a meeting, 
Like if to do something, she brings it up, you know, and, and it turns out that they do too. In fact, one of them told us he was going to go smoke a bowl. So, <laughs> you know, and, you know, and then, so it's kind of changed a lot of things for me as far as business as well. Um, Cause I don't drink anymore. You know, I quit seven or eight years ago. So going to these functions can be a little bit, you know, by two o'clock and everybody else is drunk and I'm not, it is not fun for me anymore. I'm ready to go home. Right. And, um, you know, I was ready to go home since nine, but <laughs> now that Las Vegas and, and, uh, you know, I've been to Vegas three times this year, not drinking, you know, so it's now that the wreck is open, there's a lot of other people that would like to stop drinking or don't drink or don't want to drink as much that I've noticed are, Hey, Brian, uh, are you going to go to a dispensary, <laughs> you know, or, and I, I don't know, am I becoming that person for them? I, I don't know, but um, it's apparently everyone is interested, but afraid to say something because the stigma, like you're saying. But what what helped me was years ago, we were in the, we had the Houston Chronicle here in uh, in Houston. And we had an interview, gosh, I don't know, maybe five years ago. And, but we were in the paper, they took a picture and two of our neighbors came over. One of them had the paper and, and said, I had no idea you guys were doing this the whole time. And I, I don't know. I naively thought, yeah, nobody's going to read it anyway. <laughs> and then uh, sure enough, they did. And it's and one of my buddies actually saw it uh, in, in North Dakota and said <laughs> so and talked about it. So apparently a lot of people do know and just don't say anything to us or they know and have been encouraging and, but no one has said anything well i uh, i don't i don't know how he doesn't know this but um i see every interaction as an opportunity to advocate and so um i'm i'm a dental hygienist by profession and so that's uh, a lot of interactions every day yeah. and um and, you know, I advocate at Texas uh, Capitol and to at political things locally and uh, to all of my friends and other parents, you know, I would I would talk to them right away. So the, this is in first grade, you know, when I'm talking to other parents and um, everybody, I have not had anyone who has not been receptive because the thing is like, you see what uh, all, most of these people, most of the other parents have seen what our child has gone through and see that it helps him. And uh, they think it's amazing too, because of that. And so they completely understand where we're coming from. And now as far as our older son, so I, I I feel like we're kind of progressive parents. Um, um, and uh, still, he's not permitted to uh, use cannabis, but he's using it anyways. I keep telling him, you know, I don't think it's okay until your brain is finished developing, which is around 23. Okay, so... <laughs> But if you're going to do this, which you probably are anyways, these are the the guidelines that you should follow for yourself. And, you know, I, I try to stress moderation with him. And um, one of his friends that he uh, he's been hanging out with a lot and kind of does this kind of thing with frequently, most frequently, I, I feel like 
I, I went over to his, their house. I didn't know the this family. Is also I went over to their house because I saw it, you know, on his phone where he was and, um, and invited them over for dinner. I mean, they were happy to come over for dinner. And I explained to his friend the risks and said, you know, there's cannabis use disorder, there's cannabis hyperemesis syndrome, there's paranoia, psychosis, and all of these things are dose dependent. So you shouldn't be moderating and also probably supplementing with CBD, right? <laughs> CBD is so, so great for, uh, for uh, counteracting those negative effects. So, um, so his parents were appreciative of that. And, you know, we've got that planned with another one of his friends. So I just feel like, you know, the best way to deal with it is to uh, support other other families that are going through this. And I also talked to, I've been talking with uh, Steph and Debbie at Americans for Safe Access. Also, I want to mention that we have uh, reports that are state of the states reports, which are at safeaccessnow.org uh, slash SOS. And those tell about every single medical program in the state. So how you can qualify and, and, uh, and we also grade the programs and, and say, you know, what needs to improve to give access. And, um, you know, there's a long way to go, <laughs> but, um, but uh, I don't know. Uh, so I'd like to elaborate a little bit, please. Our son stayed out all night with the car and we have the location on his iPhone. So I snapped a picture of where he was when I, I saw it, you know, like, okay, he's not home. It's three in the morning. So I saw he was at that same house and I showed her within 20 minutes. She's, you know, ready. This was the next morning drive over there, knocks on the door, no, I didn't knock on the door or though. whatever. I, I, I didn't go. I said, no, no, let's cooler heads prevail. Let's uh, <laughs> talk about what we're going to do here and what's going to happen. She was gone. Like, if you're not going, I'm going. I got my mom to go with me and pick up the car. <laughs> with, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, it goes over there, explains my son stayed the night over here. That he did not come later. home. And I would like you guys to, uh, you know, I don't know if you're expanding. They, they're having the same issue, but worse than we've been going through. So they came over for dinner last Friday night with their son and our son. Like she's crowded all the parents and the kids that will listen to and having this big get together, regardless of if the kids want to or not, really. So, it's, so well, that's great. Also, I think it's that open dialogue that you need to have, yes, right? And I think that's what parents, that. and that's the key thing. And that's what I want really people to understand by this podcast is these are parents who have boys, girls, whatever. Mary has four. I got three children. My oldest one smokes. I was supplying her with cannabis as well when she was in college and this and that. And she just graduated. And as long as we're explaining it to them, right? I mean, just really trying to do that. I even did that with my son who's uh, eight years old. He's seen mm -hmm. some gummies at the house. And I'm like, he thought he could grab one. And I'm like, son, that's not a normal gummy. That's the cannabis gummies. These are not the candy drawer here. This is the cannabis drawer. Like that's the alcohol drawer over there. Or that's yeah. the wine salary, right? Exactly. Being able to have these open conversations because that's the world we live in nowadays. Mm -hmm. And then not only to be able to explain it in a way of this is for the adult use that want to use it recreationally like a glass of wine but also explaining what you guys are in that harder age in my opinion with boys who are using cannabis and don't understand like dude if you're gonna sit there and dab and then you're just sitting on the couch and you know and you're not finishing your work 
hey, that becomes a problem when your life right. becomes quote unquote unmanageable. You know what I mean? Are you finishing everything you're supposed to do responsibly for your era of what your life is about? And, you know, and that's probably something that I don't know if you guys are going through, Brian and Piper, but like, how do you guys deal yeah. with that? Or, you know, they sit there and dabbing is as strong as it gets, right? Or a good, or a good overdosed uh, uh, edible that they make themselves. But it's like, you know, are you guys dealing with a situation like that? So yeah, we're, we're dealing with that. And um, I mean, honestly, we were dealing with it before he was using, like not taking care of his responsibilities. I think it's something that most pe parents of teens, whether they use drugs or not, you know, are dealing with, do your chores, do your homework. Uh, but yeah, things have gotten, gotten worse since, since this. Um, and I don't know, again, I'm trying to, to go with, we're trying to go with the positive route of, you know, explaining that drug abuse can happen with cannabis and saying drug abuse is when you have all of these other interests and opportunities and uh, beautiful things about life that you can either enhance with your exposure to cannabis or you can take away from them by just using up all of your time on cannabis. And, you know, when you're taking away from all of the other things that, that make you a human, that make you have an enjoyable life, then that's abuse. And so it's something that we, and, you know, that's the definition of cannabis use disorder, right? Is, is when it interferes <laughs> with your ability to enjoy your life. Uh, that's abuse. So, I mean, those are the conversations that we've been having and I've been as, you know, as punishments, been making him do some things to kind of explore what other things might be his hobbies. And, you know, and 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 I told him, you know, cannabis can be one of one of your things that you enjoy out of life, but you've got to make sure you have other things also. Yeah. Right. I think too, talking to these kids about what it is you're trying to achieve by using cannabis, right? So a lot of the ones that come in our clinic, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's teenage angst, it's getting over COVID. I mean, it's everything that all we are feeling as adults and trying to cope with in life. And then, you know, these kids are doing the same and now they have this potential outlet. But I think one of the key pieces that goes missing on these kids, when we talk about it, we try to like put it in, in terms that they can understand is, um, you know, the way cannabis works in your body, right? THC essentially taps your natural bliss chemical, right? And everybody's born, we tell them with like a different size keg in their brain. Some people are born with a pony keg, some people are born with a mega keg. Once you have tapped that keg with your THC, you're not getting in more out by consuming more. You're squeezing a dry lemon. So if you send the boys, you know, back to the, the store to refill that keg, the way to do that is use other cannabinoids, use other health and wellness um, tactics, whether it's out, you you know, skateboarding or riding your bike or doing whatever to replenish your, your natural store. When you use that cannabis again, you're going to get it and it's cheaper, right? Because, because right. it's expensive to dab and to continuously, you know, chase more of that THC high that you're looking for. So just trying to help them understand that you actually have control over this, right? You can get that feeling again, instead of having to, you know, consume every 20, 30 minutes. Cause even adults, I hear so many times, you know, I need so much to get me high. I have to go through a gram. No, you really don't. Yeah. And we call it a tolerance break, but really it's like, it's a relationship reset, right? So I think that's, um, you know, that's the other part of it too, is really helping them understand and language that they can absorb. 
And I would think in the clinical aspect, Mary, you've been dealing with families like, you know, Piper and Brian's who can be the parents that are such advocates and then seeing it going, okay, dealing with teenage yeah. life shit, like you said, Piper, like yeah. everybody, deal, they could be a perfect kid who doesn't do any drugs, doesn't have any medical problems, but he still doesn't, you know, clean his room and finish his homework or whatever, right? So there's those normal life things that happen. But as you deal with that, Mary, what are some of the things when the kid's going, but you do it, mom, but you do it, dad. Yeah. What do you mean? You guys are smoking like that. And and how do you, and what are some of the clinical ways of looking at that and approaching this and saying, use this as a tactic? Well, I think it's, yeah. If, if you're watching me use and consume and, and con, you know consult with other people about it, watch how I do that. It's responsible. It never takes away from getting my job done. It never takes away from my runs in the morning. You know, I'm, if, if anybody, we, I think Piper, you know, Brian, we're, we're, actually what you want to look at you're right and it doesn't you know hinder what kids never want to look at their parents right like they don't they don't so you show them them my dad he's in the construction world my dad's (laughs) broken since he was x amount of years old and he has this construction company but that's dad dad's an idiot he doesn't know what he's doing (laughs) and mom's just a kook shut up mom (laughs) you know what i mean like let's just face it that's what no that's it but i mean but i think you can show them positive role models right and then also role models that are exemplary to what they are doing and and how it is hindering them and you know it it is it's kids are kids i mean in in our house it's a little bit different i have one that uses it for very severe migraines um you know a lot of different neurological issues and then i have one that i kind of think would be beneficial she can't touch it right a small amount of thc sends her over the edge and so so in in our household, it's a little bit different. I think, you know, if it, if she could use any cannabinoid, it would be beneficial to her, but she actually can't. So, you know, we, we have something that's uh, a little bit, a little bit different, but I think we live very parallel lives. You know, when I first started uh, talking about this publicly as an elementary school employee, I held a, you know, cannabis talk at a local coffee shop, didn't put my name on it. And almost every single person that showed up and filled that coffee shop was a local parent. And they're all going, oh, I didn't know you. I didn't know you. And then, you know, it was really about let's learn about this and how can we engage with our kids? So I think it's just we keep, keep talking and, um, you know, know your audience. Sometimes we don't want to share things with certain audiences because they don't understand, but our kids are our audience, right? So speak to them in their language, show them what they need to see, and then be mindful of how you're consuming at home, right? I mean, are we walking in from the end of the day? Just like, I don't want my kids to see me walk in pouring a glass of wine every day at four. I don't want them to see me coming in and, you know, using cannabis every day at four. It's, it's about responsible use through and through. And that being said too, I think it's tough too, for children, you know, that are the young adolescents that see the rapper smoking, the singer smoking, everybody just smokes blunts or this or that, or now we're dabbing all day. And they just feel like, and, and I'm assuming that a lot of these children go through that. And it's really hard to really let them know, you know, there also is the factor that cannabis says uh, using it as medicine for all these other reasons, isn't for everyone either. Like you just said, Mary, your children, this and that, and some people it affects differently. And it goes parallel to even looking at the medicine that the doctor is going to give somebody. If a children is a child or any humans going through something and they're doing trial and error on medicine, it's microdosing at first, trying to find the right medicine, trying to mm-hmm. find the right solution that's going to work with your body. 
body. And then trying to explain that to people. And that's what I want this to, to be out there too. Like, it's not just one strain. I think Brian and Piper were so lucky to find the first one that worked for their son, because, you know, there's so many different strains out there with the right terpenes and the terpene profiles and doing a DNA test to find out the right terpenes for your body. That's out there now for people to do. That might be a suggestion if you're having something that, you know what, I need to really find out what's going to work for my grandmother, what's going to work best for my whoever it is, because it's not just children, folks. It could be you that's listening to this podcast going, I have this issue that I can't seem to figure out what's going on. And I'm now taking seven pills a day because of X, Y, and Z. Well, maybe you want to look into these DNA testings that's going to do that DNA for your cannabinoid system, and then go talk to somebody like a Mary, like a Piper and say, what do you think? Find the right smartest bud tender that says, hey, my DNA says I need this type of strain to help with this. And if I'm not mistaken, isn't that what those DNA tests are doing nowadays? There are, um, there are some out there that are doing that. How reliable they are, um, I think is questionable because of the consistency of what's being grown. Right. We all know that, you know, testing facilities in Texas are different, you know, city by city, they're different. And so I think we do the best we can. Um, but I will say one other thing to consider just just out there is that our bodies are our bodies and we're individual, but we are also putting things in our bodies that shift our response to cannabis. Right. So most people who are looking for sleep assistance are probably taking melatonin or valerian root or Ambien, right? And that has that, we're, we're, we're chemical beings that shifts our system in general. So just because your brother took something that worked for his sleep doesn't mean that's gonna work for your sleep, but you also need to think what herbs you're taking, you know, what, what your actual daily habits are and also consider cannabis for, and we, this is what we need to talk with our kids about, not always as a rescue, right? You can use cannabinoids and you talked about microdosing to set you off for a positive day so that when those anxiety triggers come in or, you know, when, when something could even epilepsy, right? Is it's in, in females, especially it, it often is exacerbated around their menstrual cycle. So you change it preemptively and then your body often can respond appropriately. So, you know, thinking about the whole being, the whole person, just like we talk about whole flower products, whole plant, you have to respect that in ourselves as well. Yes, I agree. And I love this conversation, you guys. Before I let you go, I want to uh, ask you, Piper and Brian, is there anything else that you guys wanted to bring up for the listeners to hear or anything else in general that you guys wanted to talk about? Well, I did want to talk about, I have this Air Shred for Asa campaign. Yes. Um, <laughs> Let us know. Uh, so it's a, a fund and awareness uh, raising campaign for Americans for Safe Access, which is uh, the only federal medical cannabis patient organization. So it's, um, it is, I just donated to Americans for Safe Access. I challenge you four people to air shred for Asa. This is how I shred. And you can do air guitar or you can shred the DEA schedule or you can shred any way that you want. Uh, we want you to share those on social media with the hashtag air shred for Asa and Asa challenge. Um, and then also I'm asking for, for people to engage because uh, like a lot of our conversation today was about how we're really not there yet. And so like in order for us to get there, we need more people engaged, whether it's with, with money or with uh, manpower, but we need it all. <laughs> we need it all to make it happen. Americans for Safe Access uh, has a bill that we're, uh, that we're hoping uh, we get um, 
sponsored uh, in the US uh, Congress. Uh, and so you can find it on our website at safeaccessnow.org uh, model slash model legislation and um, look at it, see if it's interesting to you. It re or sorry, creates a schedule six in its own regulatory body with uh, people who know what they're talking about uh, uh, being responsible for regulating cannabis. And so, yeah, we're hoping for that. Uh, we do need people to help to push for that. Um, we are having a unity conference where we'll have a lobby day uh, where we're working on this bill uh, in May. And so um, visit our website, safeaccessnow.org and let's see those Air Shred for Ace videos. <laughs> well, thank you. And that, and I love how you were dressed like that at the MJ BizCon where I met you. You looked awesome. Yeah, it was all like my around. rocker outfits. Totally. Right? Mary, anything else you want to share before we let you guys all go? Yeah, no, I mean, I just, A, thanks for listening. And Piper, again, I, I love the air shred because he was talking about your situation. He said, and she was wearing this rocker costume. I said, Piper, that was Piper. I know exactly what it is, so I love it. Um, when she went, I was like, are you really going to wear it? Awesome. Hey, everybody remembered her, Brian, it worked. I know. Exactly. I'll be there with you next time, Piper. Um, oh, awesome. No, I just, it's about dialogue. It's about conversation uh, with Elevations Nation, as I told you, with our hotels, Alexi and Clarendon, Arizona, um, but also for medical consultation consideration, you can go to consultsmj.com, put your, uh, any type of concerns, questions you have, and we can match you with a consultant that will do one-on-one -on -one work with you, whether it's in your area or virtually speak with your doctors on your behalf and really look from like a medical perspective on helping to guide what products might be best for you um, in, the, in the realm of education. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of different, a lot of different angles that we can communicate with people. And I think just continuing to have these conversations is so important. So, so I'm looking forward to seeing you next month down there. Yes. Thank you guys all for listening to the podcast. Oh, Cannabis Talk you. 101. And thank you, Mary. Or excuse me. Thank you, Mary, Brian, and Piper. And thank you guys so much for your vulnerability on opening up. And I'm glad uh, that, you know, it's working out. And for those that are listening, I hope it helped you guys out. It's Cannabis Talk 101. If nobody else loves you, we do. Thank you for listening to Cannabis Talk 101 with Blue and Joe Grande, the world's number one source for everything cannabis. And make sure you like, follow, and subscribe to Cannabis Talk 101 now. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? Ah, thinking about gas mileage. You know, changing your oil with a full synthetic oil like Castrol Edge can help your engine get more miles. Right now, you can get five quarts with an STP Extended Life oil filter for only $36.99. Get started on your next job today with the parts you need when you need them at AutoZone or AutoZone.com. Get in zone, AutoZone. Restrictions apply.